Announcement. The revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution Podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. Hear the secrets of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game. Now here's your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. Sonia Gomez coming to you from Denver, Colorado on another badass rock your socks episode of the hemp revolution podcast. Super excited to be here with you guys yet again to explore the journeys of the incredible entrepreneurs who are pushing this industry forward, making moves and making splashes with their families and communities, whether they have service or product basis businesses. This is the place to hear behind the scenes or under the hood of all of the things happening in the industry from the perspective of the business owners. Now, if you are a person looking for products you can depend on to deliver the results you are hoping for, check us out at medicalsecrets.com. And if you are a budding entrepreneur or established business trying to break through the inevitable challenges with merchant processing, banking, stabilized supply chain, marketing and advertising or distribution, check us out on the emeraldcircle.com. We are happy to help. In today's episode, we are going to be talking through the journey of a pair of entrepreneurs. Um, Cooper Dodd, excuse me, is... Uh, and his partner, Austin, are the lead research and development chemists for Nurtra Life Bio, Nutra Life Biosciences. My tongue got tied there in saying all these fun things. It is a hemp extract productions manufacturer in Coconut Creek, Florida. Backgrounds in... Uh, with a bachelor degree, this is for Cooper, uh, background with a bachelor's degree in biological health sciences from the University of South Florida, is currently interviewing at medical schools for the fall of 2020. He specializes in product development and formulation of oil and water emulsions, which many people in the industry know as nano nano emulsions or water soluble CBD. He is also, he also has a strong focus in regulatory compliance and quality assurance and is someone that hopes to be a leader in medicine. Legitimizing CBD is certainly part of his passion. Now, his co-worker, Austin, um, who has also received an incredible invitation to this podcast, will be bringing up the rears with telling his story and sharing and their experiences and bringing this incredible company and technologies to the marketplace. Please help me welcome our good friends, Mr. Cooper and Austin. Hey, guys, how's it going? Great. Thank you. So glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, really excited to have you both in here as well. I want to hear first from Austin um, a little bit about your background and how you are entering, how and why you're entering into this space. And then Cooper will jump over to you to hear from you as well. Definitely. So I actually, I got a dual degree from Northwestern University in chemistry and secondary teaching. Um, so I was a high school chemistry teacher for three school years. And got into that role, and as many can attest to and uh, understand, it was a very 
demanding job and I wasn't really seeing the outcome shift that I really wanted to. Um, so I ended up at Neutralife working as a chemist. And since I started here about a year ago, I've really started to um, specialize in formulation and start to understand, you know, the basics and both the nuances of formulation in both ingestibles and cosmetics. So now I'm the lead formulator here at Neutralife Biosciences. Oh my God, boss, dude, I can't wait to talk about it. And I love that you guys are doing water soluble. Um, This is not something that we have talked a ton about because obviously not everyone is doing it. And there was a scientist um, by the name of Chuck Stebbins, who was behind a lot of the sports nutrition supplements that we will be aware of if you're in my age group, which is... um, 35. Uh, so <laughs> if you're um, if you're in my age group, you'd be aware of some of the things that he has created. And he once said that the reason why nobody is really talking about these um, more uh, nano or micelle based products while water soluble products is it's very difficult to explain on a molecular level how and why these tend to be so much more effective when it comes to CBD absorption, which we'll talk more about here in just a minute since I have the the Papa Bears of formulation on the on the line with me. Cooper, why don't you give me a quick and dirty on your background and how you ended up in in the CBD movement? Sure. So uh, really, the chemistry journey began, I would say, about junior year of college. I was never much of a scientist in high school. I didn't even take physics one. Uh, But sort of as I continued my education, I began to kind of see degrees as more of an investment. And I guess I kind of took that all the way. So I decided to kind of shift to pre-med. And as a part of being pre-med, you're basically required to do some research in your undergraduate years. And I joined a drug discovery lab. Uh, They focused on novel antibiotic synthesis. So I kind of got my feet wet there. And once I kind of, you know, graduated from school, I was working as an EMT. And being an EMT was a really great experience. And I really wouldn't trade it for anything else. But, uh, you know, kind of like how Austin broke out from education into industry, I kind of didn't see the outcome that I really needed to see to pay my rent in South Florida, uh, being that it is extremely expensive. Uh, So I began a contract pharmaceutical position as an analyst at Lupin. Uh, But, you know, I just kind of realized that the pharmaceutical industry, especially at a large scale, is, is very corporate and... A lot of the skills that I worked really hard in school to master, uh, you know, weren't being manifested because everything was very cookbook in the sense that you follow instructions and that's about all you do. Uh, so I decided to not renew my contract over there and I joined Neutralife about a year ago. And since then, it's basically been a huge learning experience. Um, and I mainly focus in R&D, uh, the lead of R&D. And I basically just do things like optimizing products, especially difficult ones like emulsions, uh, like how you were saying. So since kind of learning all the formulation aspects, uh, I also kind of like really like regulatory too, because it's just such an important aspect of our industry. Uh, yeah, well, it's the thing governing how <laughs> how we can can or cannot operate. And it seems to be pretty astringent, especially now, um, you know, with new regulatory um, 
you know, amendments coming out all the time, new letters being issued. It's, it's kind of sketch mark. I want to, I want to just make sure that we stick here with some subject matter that is not often spoke about and seems to be a unique differentiator for you guys in the industry is the fact that you are using a water soluble product. And there are, you know, a few different ways, certainly many companies trying to claim that they have quote unquote nanotech. Some of the buzzwords that you guys will hear in the industry would be liposomal, which is an in fact water soluble, but liposomal um, and nano and micelle and all of these things tend to be buzzwords in the industry. But at the end of the day, the consumer doesn't care. Like you could literally be speaking gibberish and it would have the same amount of meaning. Why don't we just take a second and explain sort of what these different things are and why they're so important um, when you're looking for products and delivery systems? Why is my cell nanotech or quote unquote water soluble technologies so important to use in CBD products? Definitely. So I'm going to shoot this one over to Cooper because uh, nanotech has kind of been his baby since we started here. And um, I've kind of just been assisting him with his his uh, main project here. So I'm going to shoot it over to Cooper and let him cover this one. Yeah, so it, it's really interesting, right? Because, you know, micro and nano are really just units of measurement, right? They're just exponents. So, you know, a micrometer is, you know, one times 10 to the negative six. Uh, of a meter, right? So, you know, when we're saying something is nano size, we're just kind of trying to give some perspective as to how small it is. Uh, the pertinence of these kind of products mainly will be, unfortunately, another industry buzzword, which is bioavailability, right? Mm-hmm. And bioavailability can basically just be described as a graph. And it's basically the rate of absorption in the bloodstream, we call blood serum levels, uh, as, you know, a function of time, right? So, uh in pharmaceuticals, you know, you'll notice that most of the very, you know, efficacy and popular drugs are oils in themselves. So uh, suspensions, which are actually another form of an oil and water emulsion, are already very popular. And really what CBD has done is commanded attention to this kind of delivery system uh, in the dietary supplement space. Uh, so to put it, you know, as briefly as possible, uh, you get more bang for your buck with these water soluble products. It's just that there is a extreme amount of difficulty trying to get them stable, uh, actually achieving the emulsion within the first hour. So, you know, uh, you'll think you've done a great job, but the worst part is when you come into work the next day and you'll notice that separated out or you'll pull a retain and test it and you'll see that your CBD levels have dropped. Mm -hmm. Uh, So really what we're trying to do is just kind of take that old adage of oil and water don't mix and basically tell nature that we don't agree with that. Well, that's semi no brainer. So will you take a second? um, Because I still think humanizing, let's talk about liposomal for a second. And I know you guys are not necessarily working particularly with this, but, you know, considering that um, 
quote unquote nanotech or bio bioavailability is really the goal of any CBD product so that we can, uh, so the human body can actually absorb it and we can actually experience the benefits that CBD and so many of these other cannabinoids promise. Um, liposomal, for instance, gained notoriety and fame for being a fat molecule um, that was actually, that you can actually have a plant-based version of this, but it's a, it's a fat delivery system that is closest to the molecular makeup of breast milk. So nutritionally, it hosts the similar types of quote unquote fats. And if you, and if you look at CBD independently, and by the way, I'm not the scientist here. I'm just have been around this for, you know, 400 years nearly. So I'm speaking from like an experienced place, but I'd love to hear your scientific um, take on this as well. Um, but from what I understand, the CBD molecule is actually too big for the human body to absorb independently, which is why you have to have some sort of like fat delivery system to put it inside of unless the molecule is broken down into quote unquote, nano size or further, which would be my cell. Am I right in saying that? Yes or no? You know, for someone that says they're not a scientist, you have a fairly, you know, good understanding of it without getting too technical. Um, you know, a liposome and among these other words, liposomal and, and micellular are essentially the same thing. Okay. Uh, and really are is, you know, uh, it's like a cell wall, right? So when you're taking biology in, in ninth grade or so, uh, they tell you about the cell wall and how it's made of phospholipids. And phospholipids are obviously very important. Um, actually, we, in our formulations, uh, we use clean label emulsifiers. So we'll use something like phosphatidylcholine, uh, which would strongly resemble uh, the makeup of your cell walls. Um, so really, when someone says CBD is too big to enter the cell, it's a half-truth. Uh, really, what the main issue is, is that the cell wall doesn't like a few things. It doesn't like things that are too charged, and it doesn't like things that are too big. So, you know, intuitively speaking, you know, a drug made of fat might seem like a great idea, because if it's already made of fat, then it's not charged, and it should be able to go right through. Uh, but the issue is that our body is mainly made up of water. So, you know, when you're ingesting something, uh, it's insoluble, right? And it can't diffuse into our bloodstream very easily. So it'll kind of undergo something called first-pass metabolism. And that's basically where our liver does its great job of detoxifying any drugs we take. But unfortunately, during that detoxifying process, you will experience a very large degradation of the drug. Uh, so when you're taking something that's like a regular oil-soluble tincture, you know, you might be getting 10 to 20% of what you actually took. And that, you know, is also assuming you've held it under your tongue for a good 90 seconds. Uh, a fun regulatory fact there is if the word sublingual is on your labels, I would actually recommend taking them off because uh, from a regulatory standpoint, sublingual delivery is considered to be a drug delivery system and that would qualify as an IC uh, for the FDA. So, you know, just important notes there. Yeah, I will. We will definitely get to the why to and why not to include things like that on your labels here in just a second. Okay, good. Well, I love that I got the ninth graders view of how this whole thing works inside of the body. Um, and again, I'm happy to leave the science to it. And it makes perfect sense when you look up at the human body as 80% water when we're trying to ingest an oil, um, which is so many folks are extracting this, um, this plant down into an oil in order to become, you know, product. 
it's um it's no wonder a lot of people are feeling like some of their brands um are not providing the results because the absorptions is probably not there in, in quote unquote, basic formulations. Talk to me a little bit about what you guys are doing at Neutralife Biosciences that sets, that makes you guys a cut above and will set you apart um, in the overcrowded industry right now. It's always my pleasure to brag. So what I really like about <laughs> Is that, um, you know, our team, you know, we're a smaller company, uh, I would say exceptionally small, and and many CBD companies are. So I think that's why we can all really empathize with things like version banking issues or regulatory ambiguity. Uh, But I would say what sets us apart is, you know, a lot of companies will claim that they take a scientific or empirical approach to their formulations and marketing. Uh, and that's a very easy thing to say, but you know what people don't really understand is that there are hundreds of hours of research and development that go into our formulations, especially our emulsions. Um, you know, we are, Austin and I are very grateful in the sense that a lot of our senior staff, uh, you know, our colleagues, have all had at least a decade of pharmaceutical, you know, industry experience, and they know how to navigate rhetoric that could be tricky. And they know how to manage projects in a way that's both efficient and safe. Uh, but really, the science of Nutrilife is what brings us to the table. We are the kind of people that will hold call, you know, potential scientific collaborators, get, you know, collaboration and input from people that have PhDs in physical science. Uh, we do have, you know, a clinical director that has an MD. And really what we do is we get the opinions of every expert we can find that are credible. And then we synthesize that with our current knowledge. And then we use that to, you know, kind of roll out what we believe to be pretty groundbreaking products in the sense that, you know, these are, these are stable oil and water emulsions. And, you know, something that we do not do is we don't overpromise and undersell. We do the opposite. We will always undersell um, and then overdeliver because, you know, we believe that's the way to gain customer satisfaction. Uh, another thing about working in a small business is that you really can't rival the customer service experience of a smaller business because when you send us an email and our email tabs are open all day, please keep that in mind, uh, you know, you will always be our first priority because, you know, we understand that we are all in this together and we know that cash gets tight in the CBD industry all the time. And, you know, we're there to work with people and we're there to give them the resources they need to have a successful business. I love that. And so are you guys, um, share with me a little bit about your guys' business model. Who is your ideal partners or customers um, to be working and collaborating with? Yeah, so we do a lot of white labeling for our customers. And, you know, when we have a customer come in with an idea, um, as Cooper was saying, we really want to take an empirical scientific approach to that idea and make sure we can bring it to fruition. Um, but not only, you know, just take the idea that the customer brings to us, but really bring our own experience with CBD to that. So using, um, you know, our experience with past products and things that we really have worked on for months and months and we know work, um, we really like to kind of collaborate with our white label customers to figure out what is best going to achieve their goal while still being a viable and effective product. So. Um, we're really just interested in having a really close relationship with those white label customers and working together 
and bringing their drive and motivation and our background knowledge to make sure that that can come to market in a, again, reliable and effective way. Yes, love that. Okay, so talk to me a little bit about your guys' product suite and stabilizing the supply chain, by the way, is like huge for the industry right now, especially with all of the things that are happening um, on the regulatory side. Tell me a little bit about your guys' product suites. What are you guys offering? What kind of, you know, how many different products are available? What are your MOQs? Things like that. So, you know, I'm pretty proud of our product line. I think it's pretty robust. Uh, Lately, we've been shifting more into topical products because, you know, we recognize that the regulatory scrutiny for ingestibles will fundamentally and always be, you know, higher than, you know, a topical, right? So as of recently, we've launched, I think, an HQ product line called PCR Pure. Uh, PCR stands for phytocannabinoid rich and phytocannabinoid rich hemp extract. Uh, because, you know, at this point, putting the word CBD directly on your label um, you know, if you have the word CBD directly on your label and you're making a lot of money, you should expect the FDA to come to your store soon, right? So, yeah, you know, we want to have tea yeah. for sure. Uh, yeah, well, you'd be surprised what we get. Um, and so moving over to topicals of that sort of language has been our most recent focus. Austin has done an amazing job at formulating these cosmetics. He has put in so many hours, and you know, really what we like about our product, NLBS is that we take products that are already effective on their own. So many of these formulations, you know, you will see them on an ingredient list for maybe, uh, Austin, what's a good cosmetic brand? Oh, like a Clinique or something. Yeah, so we'll take higher-end formulas, right? We'll take those ingredients and then we'll implement them into our in-house brands and then we'll infuse them with CBD to kind of maximize the therapeutic benefits they stand to offer. Um, like I said, we're a small business, so MOQs are fairly reasonable. I believe the total transaction amount, uh, and don't quote me on this, I just work in the lab cave. I don't really work with the people up front. Uh, but, you know, it's I think about $5,000 starting. So, you know, something we offer is the barrier to entry into the CBD market is normally very high. And yeah. many people will honestly price themselves out of the market and price their white label customers out of the market. But that's not something we do because we understand that the best way to kind of grow the industry as a whole and to have a big picture standpoint for the greater good of the people and not necessarily the people's wallet is to give reasonable MOQ amounts. So that's also something we do. Um, But as far as ingestibles go, we have all the usual suspects. You know, we have tinctures, we have uh, our oil and water emulsions, and those are all themed uh, by a certain supplement that's kind of out there already. So, for example, we have an energy and a sleep, and our energy will have something like resveratrol, which is uh, why everyone loves to drink red wine. It's that antioxidant property. But also, we pack a fair amount of caffeine in there, right? So, this plus the CBD, you know, sort of gives a unique delivery and a unique effect on the end user. Uh, And as for the sleep, you know, we do put melatonin and valerian root and magnolia bark in there. And these are already supplements you will see on the shelf already. Uh, we just kind of facilitate bringing it all into one easy to take supplement, right? Yeah, love that. So both of you having sort of this medical or scientific background, certainly more of a quote unquote mainstream mentality that comes along with that. And pre-interview, we were sort of talking about the dichotomy um, between the 
you know, self-care, holistic health, natural, um, I, I call it the like stiletto hippie movement, you know, this That's sort of really like, good. yeah, it's like this sophisticated, who was a really big, there's, there's a couple of superstars who are just like huge in promoting all of this. Like Courtney Kardashian for me would be like a stiletto hippie girl is, you know, totally loaded, but doesn't want to serve anything, you know, that's not a hundred percent natural plant-based blah, blah, blah to her kids or have it in her household or what she's always preaching about the toxicity and such and such and such. So there's this whole movement around these like yuppie, um, yuppie sort of holistic health practices and preferences um, versus the old school traditional and trusted medical system. Uh, there's a lot of upset from the consumer to the medical system because in the, in a sense, the consumer feels duped um, and abandoned by the very professionals that are meant to be in, you know, their trusted caregivers. On average, we're seeing, you know, seven minutes spent per patient um, by by doctors. And it's a it's a major, major challenge that you're only in the room long enough to get a pharmaceutical prescription to ban- to band-aid whatever the s- immediate symptom is rather than exploring the syndrome as a whole. As a new doctor, understanding this pretty significant contrast right now, what are some of your goals or hopes or aspirations that you are bringing with your, you know, education and experience into the mainstream medical field, but also with your work that you're doing in the CBD space? That's a great question. So as someone that kind of always felt like I've understood both sides uh, between medicine and the holistic movement or the stiletto hippie, which is very eloquently put, Uh, My main goals are to kind of reconcile, you know, the general mistrust we have in science right now with, you know, new potential therapeutic products, right? And CBD really exemplifies that. Uh, You know, I shadowed an orthopedic for a very long time. And when we would read x-rays together and he was teaching me all of the boring stuff no one wants to hear about, uh, he said something very profound to me. He said, at the end of the day at this clinic, we are treating patients, not images. So really what that means is, you know, we don't do any medically unnecessary procedures to collect an insurance reimbursement, right? So if someone's knee looks really terrible on an x-ray, but they could manage with maybe some physical therapy and losing some weight and some swimming, we would 100% make sure that they do that first before we even let them touch a pain medication, right? Um, And really, uh, and the doctor's name was Dr. Goldsmith, and really what Dr. Goldsmith taught me was... There's more than one way to do something. And, you know, a lot of my future colleagues, I imagine that they might feel pressured to kind of follow the precedents, right? Because this country is very rooted in precedent. Many of our laws, you know, are not officially legislative. They're de facto Supreme Court rulings that kind of set an opinion on things. And the medical field is not exempt from that sort of, you know, unofficial bias. Uh, So, you know, as someone that has had this really good experience in the stiletto hippie movement, uh, but also has encountered some of its, you know, worst pitfalls. And I would say that would mainly be unrealistic expectations and, you know, really egregious claims. Uh, My main hope is to kind of treat the patient's lifestyle instead of just their symptoms. 
you know, it's it's well known that we can make a lot of money off of drugs, and it's well known that we can make we can make a lot of money off of surgery. And I think that's fundamentally perpetuated by our economic system being capitalism. And the best way to keep something running is to make a lot of money. Uh, but I do really foresee a, a paradigm shift in both, you know, it's already happening in the people, but also with the professionals. So just kind of keeping all that in mind and taking a grain of salt in the, in the sort of things I, I perceive to be opinions uh, in, my, in my potential medical education. I love it. Spoken like a true G. You're going to end up being like somebody's medical spokesperson. <laughs> I think I, I, well, I, I'm excited to see this new wave of, um, of professional coming out of medical school, because I think in the, how old are you guys, by the way? I'm 23. I'm okay. 23. Okay. So you guys would be considered on the cusp of millennial, you know, slash generation X. You could probably get away with, you know, some, some, uh, some people may view you as generation X. I would say you guys are more on the millennial side. So I'm excited to see the millennial professionals coming out of the legal accounting, um, uh, medical um, professions, like this is going to be a very, very exciting and innovative time where people become, people really allow themselves to access the freedom piece of their brain that um, really makes them more investigative rather than compliant. And I think that we have seen, like in my parents' generation, there's quite a bit of, um, quite a bit of, you know, rebellious, very rebellious nature, which drove a lot of the decision-making. Whereas in this generation, we're looking at like very educated um, advocates for one's freedom of choice and recognizing what are the viable options that any one person gets to make when considering their own health and well-being or that of their family and loved ones. Um, this revolution that's happening right now and pretty significant disruption that's happening around this, you know, holistic healthcare, which has been around for like eons, um, but is only just gaining like this trendy popularity right now. Um, it's going to be so interesting to see. Do you recognize amongst your colleagues in school, do you recognize um, a similar sort of mentality around like, this is our chance to change what what has been and what will be? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I really um, empathize with, you know, you talking about our parents' generation. And one of the biggest things that got me, you know, really into uh, hemp and its healing properties is my mother and my sister both have uh, Crohn's disease and autoimmune disorder. Wow. And they've been on countless uh, Western medicine regimens and biologic drugs and um, you know, my mother's been really struggling to get back into remission for about 10 years now. And she really got to this point where when talking to her doctors, you know, it was like, well, we should try another biologic drug and an infusion and this and that. She got to this point where she was kind of like feeling that rebellious nature, just like, well, screw it. None of this is working. Maybe I should try a more naturopathic way of dealing with it. And through sort of a roundabout way that led her to become more informed on CBD and different cannabinoids and how those could help her. Um, but I think with our generation, we are seeing a different process where people are getting more informed 
before taking that step and using it. Um, I think, you know, we have a lot more resources and a lot more conversations around this stuff um, than our parents' generation. And, you know, just really taking an information-based approach to using these things and incorporating them into our healthcare regimen. So um, I definitely see that in my my peers. Love it. Love. Um, What is the... Let's go back to the regulatory piece here for a second, because I think many businesses, big, small, and honestly, I think that there's, um, you know, kind of that center ground of people who are just getting started and are trying to posture themselves to be, you know, quite a bit ahead. Um, So my question is, when it comes to compliance, how are you guys prepared to move into the future? And are you implementing that preparedness now? Or are you waiting for regulation to come in before making the necessary changes? That's a great question. Uh, So we happen to be very lucky. We have someone on staff that's our regulatory specialist, and she has had uh, experience about pharmaceuticals and dietary supplements, right? And, you know, what's interesting about dietary supplements as a regulatory body is they're more or less like food, but a little more stringent, right? Uh, so, you know, like I said earlier, our new product line, the PCR Pure, uh, you know, we're already kind of being proactive on that regulatory jump that we think we're going to see. Uh, we personally think that you know, having cannabidiol or CBD or any specific cannabinoid on your label uh, is going to kind of get you into a bit of a quagmire, uh, if you would, when it comes to the FDA. Uh, really, hemp extract is something we've already been putting on our labels moving forward. And another thing we see on many labels is THC-free. And I would warn anyone that puts THC-free on their label uh, because realistically, uh, if you're using full spectrum and even broad spectrum, uh, you know, it's fairly well documented that CBD can be stable to a lot of conditions with respect to not turning into THC. Uh, but with things like supply chain instability and, you know, potential cash grab suppliers that are not supplying on a certificate of analysis, uh, which is, you know, more common than you would think. Uh, is kind of a preemptive move we've done. So we will say that uh, at the time of manufacturing, this product contains under 0.3% Delta 9 THC, or we'll specify which raw material it was made with. So, you know, maybe our label wouldn't say THC-free necessarily, but if it's made with isolate or broad spectrum, uh, you could kind of deduce that it would not have as much THC as a full-spectrum product would. And these are just two examples of things we're looking into every day. Uh, mainly a lot of our time spent is going on the actual FDA website itself and deciphering what the language means with, you know, expert opinions and then making action plans for hypotheticals. So if the FDA says X, then we will do Y. And, you know, all the label crews will be ready to go. Those formulation changes can be made. And I think when it comes to industrial hemp and the industry as a whole, staying ahead of regulatory is going to be the best way to tread water instead of going under. Amazing. Love it. Um, tell me a little bit from both of your guys' perspective here, what the future of CBD and healthcare is going to look like. CBD or cannabis, what is your prediction um, or what are the secrets in the webs right now on how CBD and um, the traditional healthcare system are going to be in collaboration 
Yeah, so I think these are going to be used just like any other tool in medicine, like prescription medications, um, lifestyle changes, diet. All of these things are going to be used as, I think, cohesive tools that can better help someone manage their health condition or just general wellness. And um, I just definitely see a higher level of regulation coming and you know, weeding out all these bad actors in the space right now that just kind of want to get in on the boom. Once that boom kind of subsides a little bit, I definitely think that there's going to be these quality products with different cannabinoids and terpenes and different, you know, constituents of the plant that really can be used effectively and, you know, safely. I think right now, a lot of the the avoidance and the trepidation that consumers are feeling is with good reason. A lot of these products are not safe. They're not tested. And, you know, once we start weeding out these companies that are putting out unsafe products, I think, again, these will just become another tool in the toolbox when it comes to a medical approach to life. And Cooper can add to that. Yeah, I mean, overall, I definitely agree with Austin in the sense that, you know, in the future, cannabinoids and cannabis will, you know, likely be another tool we have in our toolkit to help people. Um, but I think something that's very important about the CBD industry and the hemp boom is, you know, definitely in the products and in the therapeutic indications and uses of the products. But really what it's giving people on a psychological level. Um, I think that the industrial hemp industry is sort of teaching us to, you know, not necessarily always trust what's being told to us. Uh, and that is a very good thing. And it's also a very bad thing, right? Because there's a very fine line between, you know, legitimate scientific inquiry and investigation and ignorance. And, you know, you don't want to be on the side of ignorance because at the end of the day, uh, if you are someone that is not 100% informed on the things you are selling, formulating, marketing, and any you know sort of aspect of the industry, uh, you're ultimately going to be doing people a disservice because you know God forbid there's a terrible recall by a big company, and that's all it really takes for the Fed to you know kind of shut the door on this stuff. Uh, and I'm you know I'm not saying that to fearmonger or fire and brimstone anyone. Uh, but, you know, you have to look at the precedent for the regulations. Uh, historically, when an ingredient is in an approved drug, like Epidiolex, for example, which does contain CBD, uh, the historical precedent has been to take that ingredient. And since it is an ingredient in an approved drug, that substance in itself is a drug. Um, so, you know, what the FDA says in their emails is that they're considering um, stakeholders' interest, which is another way of saying, you know, a lot of people have a lot of money and a lot of interest in this. Uh, so, you know, I think so long as we continue to act in good faith and, you know, with legitimate inquiry and investigations, it's very possible that we could still see CBD be a dietary supplement. Uh, but I think right now the industry is definitely at a crossroads, and I would you know, really for my colleagues to just, you know, do it by the book for right now, because that's the only way we can get something legitimate off the ground. Love, love that. 
And and our final sort of exchange here in the interview, we always do something what we call the words of wisdom, which you already sort of um, did in your in in the last response that you gave. But I, I want to give you guys an opportunity because I believe that you have a ton of value to add to this question. What would be some words of wisdom or pieces of advice that you could offer the entrepreneurs out there who perhaps are hitting a glass ceiling or are are having some sort of challenge, um, you know, getting in involved with this space, what would be one or two pieces of advice that you could offer them to help them sort of troubleshoot past those challenges and get back on track towards success? Definitely. I think something that I quickly learned um, moving into this space from teaching is how valuable it is to just talk to other players in the industry. Um, Reaching out to people, even if they are seen as a competitor, um, and really just bouncing ideas off of them, seeing what's working for them, seeing what's not working for them, and just really kind of developing relationships with people that are in this business um, has taught me the most. Um, no website or book or anything like that can teach you as much as having a conversation with somebody who's going through the same thing that you are. And Cooper? <laughs> Sorry, terrible verbal cues. Um I mean, last words of wisdom, uh, you know, I think that the market is saturated and you're right to say that. Uh, and I think that the best way to kind of mediate saturation is to promote innovation. Uh, and, you know, it is unfortunate that formulating CBD products is, you know, definitely a very technical thing. Uh, so, you know, I, and this is a kind of a lesson that we learned. Uh, you know, as someone that is a white labeler, right, if you ask for our pain cream formula and we sell it to you, you know, we sell you the product, uh, you're likely going to have the same pain cream formula that, you know, all of our other customers are going to have unless you make a very specific request, right? So I think that shifting towards in-house brands are a great way to drive up innovation. And the best way to do that is to invest in legitimate talent. Uh, I think something that kind of, you know, is a bit of a confound in the industry is, you know, a lot, you know, and this definitely is not everybody, but many of the people I've spoken to, uh, you know, kind of carry this mistrust in scientists and they think it's very profit incentivized. Uh, But if you find the right scientists with the right talent and the right education, they will take you much farther than, you know, maybe something like having a really flashy web page would. Uh, so I think investing in the right things like regulatory experts and quality assurance and, you know, legitimate formulation talent uh, would be some of the best things you can do because the more you innovate, the more you increase competition and then you'll lower prices. And if you lower prices, then more people can participate and raise awareness to this really awesome thing we're all trying to do. Man, that's some good shit from both of y'all. I love it. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, is that that's the scientific term for what just came out right now? Um, By the way, I just dubbed that scientific term terminology. Um, Okay, I'm going to piggyback on this because I will have to second what both of you said. However, I will innovate um, the last thing that you said, Cooper, and say that at the end of the day, Anything and everything that you do has to connect directly with your ideal customer. And if you do not know who you're building a brand for or innovating product formulations for, it'll be quite difficult to craft the message that will 
capture the attention of your ideal marketplace, create that connection and move them into a conversion so they can in fact touch and feel and smell and taste whatever product it is that you are developing. So much incredible things are happening behind the scenes that the marketplace or consumer base has no idea about because there isn't proper marketing and exposure raising awareness and creating a quote-unquote culture or cult following around innovation. So my suggestion would be if you do in fact invest in the proper talent, that that should also include a sick marketing team who understands the power of building a brand image and story that directly connects and collaborates with the consumer, giving them a voice, but also giving the brand itself a voice and a position in the industry to earn trust and respect from the consumer. We're looking at a time now where the where the consumer is a not trusting because they've spent hard-earned money on brands that do nothing for them, but more importantly than that we're looking at you know the survival of the fittest mentality of brands who are looking to partner and collaborate with um, distribution channels, with media channels, and with the proper talent that they need behind the scenes to move from a Me Too product to a truly unique um, formulation that will allow them to stand apart. And uh, so while you are investing time and attention in bringing in the right science, make sure that you are including people who understand the front-facing aspect of that as well. Um, The final thing that I will say is that without a community, your commodity will not matter. Um, People are sick of buying products. People are buying people. That's why we're seeing such a significant um, and very rapid sort of hockey stick growth in any social media channels. And social media is a really great way to use a compare and contrast when it comes to innovation. Facebook was sort of MySpace turned into Facebook, turned into Instagram, which is now turning into TikTok, right? And we're finding out that the human the human brain is only capable of keeping attention for around seven seconds before they realize that they're bored with themselves and therefore with everything else that we've just have, we're on information overload and at the push of the button or click of a, of a phone, we have access to more information than any one of our brains could ever absorb. And yet we sit there scrolling for hours at a time, sort of feeling this like visceral response. If we somehow leave our technological connection behind. So my, my, uh, Word of wisdom on this is while you are innovating, incorporate the things that are most relevant to today's marketplace and make sure that you are in front of the eyes that you want to be serving and really be clear when you're creating products that you're solving a specific problem for a specific demographic and therefore you will be able to see the harmonious transaction between your passion and your identified purpose turn into a profitable business with the types of products that you know are actually transforming the way that people are living and feeling and functioning on a daily basis. Those are my words of wisdom on today's episode. Guys, 
Where can people find out more information from you uh, um, or about you and your business and be and finding ways to work with you? Um, so you can go to our website at NutraLifeBiosciences.com. Um, that is our parent website. And um, our stock symbol is NLBS. We are an S1 fully reporting stock. So you can also uh, check us out on any stock reporting websites. And then our newest product line, again, is called PCR Pure. And you can go to PCRPure.com. And we're currently accepting pre-orders for all of those great new products that we're coming out with. Amazing. Cannot wait to celebrate all of that stuff. I'm definitely going to be watching you guys um, offline. I'd love to talk about some more collaborations. As I mentioned before, stable supply chain has to be one of the number one, one of the top three things that I get asked about every single day from the hundreds of brands that we're interviewing and working with. Um, So would love to talk more about those collaborations. For those of you who are tuning in there, all of the social media handles, as well as the websites mentioned in today's episode will be listed in side of the um, blog posts surrounding this video, make sure that you check out our show notes, our highlights from today's show, and leave us your comments and share episodes just like this with people that you know are going to benefit from information. Whether you're a consumer or a business owner, we work and live to serve you, making sure that you have the most up-to-date, behind-the-scenes perspective of what is happening inside of the Canna boom right now. Um, As you know, it is our mission to empower you with the truth about cannabis and hemp so that you can make educated decisions about how you care for yourself, the people that you love, and the conditions that you may be suffering from, but also to give you the opportunity to take advantage of the fastest growing cash-rich industry in the world right now. Any final words before we end today's episodes, guys? Just thank you for having us. And, you know, it's a pleasure to, you know, stop collaborating, listen with some really good people doing some really good things. Yeah, stop collaborating and listen. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm literally going to turn that song on right now. You guys, this is so, so badass. Thanks so much for coming in. You guys are, I literally would not have guessed 23 or 26. Super smart, so bright, and really excited to see all of the innovations coming out of your guys' lab. Um, and maybe even coming to check you guys out on one of my next trips into Florida. Uh, for what those of you who are tuning in, make sure you check us out on the emeraldcircle.com for more information on how you can find people just like us, our guests and myself in the industry and help you troubleshoot the inevitable challenges you'll face by being a part of this incredible industry. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Sonia Gomez, and this is The Hemp Revolution. We'll see you on our next show. Thanks for listening to this episode. We took notes on this episode for you, along with all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Get them free on the show notes page here at www.medicalsecrets.com. If you love this show and our content, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to help us get the message out there, please rate, review, and tell all your friends. With your help, we can continue to reach the world with our message. And until next time, we hope you join the hemp revolution. And we challenge you to dream big and love the life you live.